Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden, and Eches Adokru. Eches, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Dryden. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, overall, I'd say I'm 10 out of 10 today. No, uh, I just watched a video of Matt Hancock doing parkour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never seen that before, but that is, if you get a chance to, to basically go on Twitter, go on Instagram and search Matt, Matt Hancock parkour. He looks terrible. Uh, that's what I'll say there. Uh, I also thought I'd use this week to address uh, my status over the pro clubs team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I played uh, last week on Wednesday and uh, on the last episode I said I was the best player in the team. I, I stand by that. You also said you were a young Clarence Seedorf. I stand by that as mm-hmm. well. Um, there were other questions as uh, well, how I've managed to play 55 seasons. You're pretty, you're pretty old though. Uh, so. I am pretty old, uh, nearly 43. Mm-hmm. And also I play twice a day, three games each. Yeah. You know, 55 seasons, we've been in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So it is possible. You know, to anyone doubting me out there, it's definitely possible. Yeah, God, the haters. Mm. Far too many of them. <laughs> Apart from that, I uh, downloaded TikTok. I feel quite ashamed to say that. <laughs> I just don't know. I, don't, I just, yeah, someone told me to download TikTok. I went on it today. I'm not really a fan yet, but I was told... I have to use it for it's like a week. Because you're back in the dating scene, is probably why. Uh, yeah, that's nothing to do with <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I don't know TikTok. I let you know how that one goes. Fair I've enough. done some reading, reading normal people. Oh, that's okay. uh, that's yeah, Sally novel. Yeah, uh, that's it's going well so far. But yeah, not much else to report. Mm. How you doing, nice. Dryden? Yeah, not bad. Uh, back in London, uh, the pubs have reopened in Tooting, where I live. So that's always always a good sign. Yes, um, yeah. It's brilliant. Sunderland only won as of today's check. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's a, that's the update on that. Um, but look, yeah, lockdown seen some promising young players as well, which I've, I've noticed in the, in the Premier League, which is which is interesting. The reason I mention that is because I just love two foot players. Yeah, it's promising for the England team. Very promising indeed. So today, Etches will be taking us back to AC Milan's last Scudetto win in 2011. What has gone wrong since that famous title, and what the future looks like for the Rosaneri? Before we start. Please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud for immediate access to future episodes. So, Etches, why this flashback? Yeah, so AC Milan was the team that I feel everyone feared when I was quite young. Hmm. So I'm talking when I was around seven or eight, so 2002, three sort of time. Back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, back in the 80s, yeah. Um, back then, they had players like Kaká, Gelladino, Inzaghi, Shevchenko, Dida, Cafu. Mm. The list goes on, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they were dominant in Europe, uh, quite successful within their own league. But since their last Scudetto win in 2011, they've fallen massively from grace, mm. winning only one Supercoppa since in 2016. So what I wanted to focus on was Milan's last Scudetto win how it all fell apart from there and if there's any light at the end of the tunnel uh, or if it's going to continue in darkness for the mm. foreseeable future. Yeah, they're the, they're the forgotten kind of elite team in Europe, aren't they? Mm. Which is uh, which is a shame. I mean, I remember getting the 08 or 09 shirt for Christmas in 2008 um, because I like the team, like the kit. Um, yeah, there's, there's a number of notable players in there that you've, you've mentioned, but uh, 33-year-old David Beckham was in Milan at, uh, at 2008. Perla was still there. As was an 18-year-old Matteo Damian. Didn't know that. Surprisingly. Um, surprisingly to see he's so old now. 40-year-old Paolo Maldini, Maldini was still on the roster. Surprisingly. Um, 32-year-old Clarence Sadoff, your pro, pro club's alias, as we've just touched on. 
um, Matthew Flamini and Massimo Ambrosini were players that functional, but quite synonymous with, with AC Milan at that time. And also Arsenal, Switzerland and all-time Premier League legend Philippe Senderos was also at the club at that time. So Senderos still gives me nightmares. A, a, a roster full of memorable players. And obviously, yeah, why does he give you nightmares? Uh, because he just... Senderos was that guy that'd give you an 8 out of 10 game for 75 minutes and then score two own goals. <laughs> That's, that was Senderos. And also, he, he just couldn't handle Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba, oh, he had his who could, who could, who could. Yeah, uh, very true. So, who are AC Milan? Uh, yes, yeah, so AC Milan were founded in 1899. They're an Italian football team based in Milan. Mm-hmm. Very obvious, given, <laughs> very obvious given the name. Yeah. Uh, they're known as the Rosnieri, which means the Red and Blacks, mm-hmm. or the Diavolo. Oh, nice. In the Devils. Yeah. I quite like that. Uh, they share a stadium with arch rivals Inter called the San Siro. Overall, they've won 18 Scudettos, seven Champions Leagues or European Cups, mm-hmm. five Coppa Italias, amongst other titles, including the Club World Cup in 2007. Previously, they've had some of the world's best players like Marco van Basten, mm. Rude Hullet, George Weyer, Paolo Mandini. Dida, I could go on for hours and hours. Mm. They've, they've had some fantastic players throughout the years. The same can be said for management um, with play, people like Capello, uh, Fabio Capello, Arrigo Sacchi, and Carlo Ancelotti, some of the more famous ones mm. in recent times. But again, they've had some of the, the world's best managers as well. In 1920, or the current season, they're managed by Pioli, and they currently sit seventh in Serie A with key players being uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, Alessio Romagnoli, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He is back. Back with a bang. (laughs) Well, Jimmy Greaves actually spent uh, less than a full season there, um, back in the the heyday, signed for 80,000 in 1961, which is a lot of money at that time, and received a 15k sign-on fee. So it really was a big transfer. Mm. Um, He actually tried to cancel that deal before going to the club um, to stay in London but the, it was basically they wanted to they wanted to bring him in he came in um, and yeah he went he went, went to leave prior to Milan's 61-62 Scudetto win AC and Inter's new stadium is also due um, in time for the 22-23 season at a cost of 800 million dollars yeah the original size for that is actually smaller than San Siro which mm, I found quite interesting. 000, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, which is quite interesting. I, I don't really know what the attendances are like at the Sensiro currently, but clearly it's it's not being filled yeah, so out. Tottenham's stadium is what sixty one thousand, mm. and they've made a point of making it slightly bigger than the Emirates. The Emirates yeah. is obviously sixty thousand, and I wonder if that's kind of a theme because obviously revenue is not largely so fixated now on match day revenue and tickets mm. and stuff like that. So I wonder if that's going to be the theme going forward to make like a so Spurs have got the big commercial aspect to it. The fact yeah. that you can make into an into a um, NFL fixture arena. The fact they've got the biggest bar in was the world of Europe. Yeah, <laughs> there like there's a lot more to it than the football. I think they tried to make. So the, there isn't this fixation on having a massive stadium to I don't know to to show off the, the size of the club or, or something along those lines. So tell me about their 2011 winning side. Yeah, so at the time, uh, Inter were the reigning champions. They'd won five from the bounce coming in for 2010-2011 mm. season. They were obviously the major team that profited from the match-fixing scandal, Mm. which hit AC Milan as well as Juventus quite hard. Their previous decade had been a very fruitful one for AC in the lead-up to that season. They had managed to win two Scudettos, two Champions Leagues, two Super Cups, and one Club World Mm. Cup, and a Super Copa as well, with an average league position of around third place. Mm. 
to show you how far they've fallen since. They've only won one Supercoppa in that time, which I mentioned earlier, and on average have finished in sixth place. Moving back to the 2010-2011 season, uh, in the summer of 2010, AC strengthened very well, bringing in Ibra from Barcelona and Robinho from Man City uh, with Van, bon- Van Bommel uh, and Antonio Cassano coming in in January. Mm. All four played very key roles in their title win. They mostly utilised a 4-3-1-2 slash 4-3-3 formation with Ibra at the pinnacle of the attack. Mm. They were managed by Max Allegri, who was seen as something of a bit of a risk. It was his first big managerial yeah. role in Italy. Uh, he must uh, have been quite young at that time as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. for a manager anyway. Yeah, in the end he did quite well. Mm. So who were the key players that were already there? Um, well, they had Ignacio Abate, who is a ultimate team <laughs> legend. <laughs> had like 100,000 pace. Uh, yes, yeah, so he's always very got quick. soft. Uh, very quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nesta uh, was still there as well, as well as Thiago Silva, Clarence Seidorf, Kevin Prince Boateng, mm-hmm. Gennaro Gattuso, who is forever just angry all the time. Um, <laughs> Bo- the Spurs game where he went at George Jordan uh, after uh, they won one nil. Rodnet was manager. Crouch scored the goal. Just I just remember that so vividly yeah, because so he's just fuming, which I do rate the passion, but. It's a bit too much. The sometimes. Clash of Titans, George Jordan against mm. Gattuso, <laughs> scrapping. Uh, Van Bommel, I mentioned up top. You had Alexander Pato, forgotten had, man. Yeah, forgotten man who, who at the time had the world at his feet. Mm-hmm. He was joined by Ibra and Rubinho. All three of those players finished top scorers for Milan with fourteen goals mm. apiece. Yeah, if you had a Serie A ultimate team, FIFA ultimate team at that time, and didn't have Abate, Thiago Silva, and or Pato, what were you doing? Yeah. Like, what were you doing? You losing. Sleep? Losing. <laughs> losing all the time. Obviously, you'd have it alongside uh, Antonio Di Natale and uh, Milico as well, the two players. Mm-hmm. One of which I'd put as a central attack midfielder, but we can, you know, we can discuss that another time, I yeah. suppose. Um, Van Pommel was also always blessed with like 25 sprint speed on FIFA, which is probably, to be fair, it's probably quicker than UH, but I mean, it's fairly, it's fairly minimal. Uh, my sprint speed is 27. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. I suppose. Um, there were huge wins across that season for AC Milan with, with the team that I mentioned earlier, including a double over arch rivals into Milan and an away win at Juventus. Mm. They led most of the way of the season from November right to the end, and they wrapped up the title with three games to spare after a goalless draw with AS Roma, mm. with arch rivals into Milan coming second. So, what happened next? How did Milan deteriorate? Yeah, well, they finished second the following year, coming four points behind the winners Juventus, um, which was kind of as good as it got mm. for AC Milan. Uh, they sold Thiago Silva and Zlatan Ibrahimovic to PSG in the summer of 2012, with Pato leaving in the winter to Brazil. The team I mentioned before had a lot of old guard that were ageing. Uh, so they had Clarence Seidov, Gennaro Gattuso, mm. even Van Bommel and Antonio Cassano were all on the other side of 30. Zambrotta as well, if you include him. Uh, and they were all old and left AC Milan as well. And that's kind of where the first problem uh, arose, which was they were poorly replaced. Mm. Players who did perform well initially, like Balotelli arriving from City, were quickly shipped on. And yeah. others like Christian Zapata, who was seen as a replacement for the retiring Nesta, just went up to scratch. Uh, you could probably throw in Philippe Mexes in that mix as well. Yeah, but that goal he scored, overhead kick in yeah. Champions League. You still, you've got to, you got to, you know, 
give some credit to that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Apologies, Max. <laughs> Later on, big money signings like Andre Silva for 34 million, Nikola Kalinic for 25 million, Christoph Piatek for 31 million, and Leonardo Benucci for 38 million simply didn't work out for one mm. way or another. Benucci actually left after one season back to Juventus with uh, Mattia Caldera moving in the opposite direction. To highlight AC's decline after that second place finish, they came third, eighth, tenth. Tenth is mad. Eighth, when, you, when you're a club like AC Milan, you come eighth, you think that is as bad as it can get. And then you come tenth, which is outrageous. Mm. They improved to seventh the next year, which isn't that particularly great either. Finished sixth two years after that, and then finished fifth last season and are currently seventh. Were there any issues with the ownership? Yeah, often when teams are as big as Milan start falling down the league table, you look beyond the team and the management and, and look at the board and that there were issues there. Mm. Former owner Silvio Berlusconi was part of their most successful periods and was there for around 25 years. But towards the end of his ownership, he failed to keep investing in the club to the standards needed mm. for their rebuild after the 2011 uh, title victory. This was uh, obviously insufficient and AC Milan slipped further and further behind. Fans became increasingly unhappy at their fall from grace and their lack of huge investment compared to their glory days. And Berlusconi sold to a Chinese businessman by the name of Li Yonghong. Nice. Nice pronunciation. No worries. 10 out of 10 for me. Initially, Li spent a lot of money on players like Andre Silva and Hakan Tranoglu. That was an agreement he made with Silvia Berlusconi. Free kick specialist. Free kick specialist, yeah. indeed, from about 45 yards, I think one of them was. Yeah. Um, but the return on these signings, amongst others, was initially very, very poor. Uh when Lee bought the club, he needed a loan from Elliott Management, which is an American investment company, in order to... Never a good sign, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, in... By the club, I'll just take our loan first. <laughs> in order to complete the move. As time went on, um, Lee actually failed to make a repayment to Elliott Management, so they therefore seized control of the club on July 2018. Poor leadership from Lee meant that AC Milan overspent, leading to fines from UEFA and a ban from the Europa League for breaching FFP in the 2018-2019. Not only only qualifying for the Europa League, then getting banned. Yeah. So it was quite a turbulent time from the lack of investment under Berlusconi to the poor, poor leadership from Lee Yong-Hong uh, to them being banned and taken mm. over by Elliott Management. It's also worth noting during this time, uh, AC Milan lacked consistency with their management too, going through seven managers since uh, Max Allegri's departure in 2014. Mm. The constant chopping and changing of ownership as well as management meant the squad lacked identity and was also quite unstable. Mm. So is there light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, in recent seasons, uh, there's been renewed optimism around AC Milan that slowly but surely they're returning to their old selves. One of the reasons for this is the hiring of Ivan Gazidis from Arsenal. Because mm, he was going to well at Arsenal, I thought they'd bring in. You know, Ivan Gazidis did okay at Arsenal. I mean, he helped with the transition of us getting rid of Arsene Wenger, although uh, Emery was awful. But he built, I think, a lot of infrastructure around the club, which is quite useful. On the field success wasn't as good. Uh, overall, what would I give him? I'd give him a six out of ten. 
Okay, that's, that's not too room bad. Room for improvement, for mm, sure. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he came in. He joined AC Milan in the 2018-2019 season uh, with the side actually coming in their best ever league position finish since they came third uh, about five, six, seven years ago. Although he did join full-time in January. They have a young, talented core in Donnarumma, Alessio Rongagnoli, who is the club captain, mm. only 25, and Ishmael Bensasser, also formerly of Arsenal. Uh, so they have some optimism to look for in the future. They just beat Juventus 4-2 the other night. Uh, with, did you see the opening goal? Rabiot has honestly sent about three or four people to the chip shop. Yeah, they've they've been sent by hot dogs. It's, it's pretty clear. I think he's, he's just not that sort of player as well. And it's just like he's, he's basically nicked the ball. Yeah. He's just taken it over, over, over half the length of the pitch. Yeah. And he just knocked it in his left foot. He's left foot. I did clear that up before. I <laughs> yeah, you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't too sure. Yeah, but he's he's knocked in the top ends. Mm, that's a good goal. Uh, they also have Ralph Ragnick uh, coming in, which is huge, huge positive mm. for them. For those of you that don't know, he was the sporting director and former manager of Red Bull. And he will join AC Milan as a manager and a technical director. It will be interesting to see how he succeeds in Syria, being mm. a novice and not speaking Italian or not speaking Italian very well. It'll also be interesting to see how they balance it out with Maldini, who also holds a technical role there at the moment, yeah. and how he's going to manage being a manager and technical director. He did that role previously at Leipzig for a bit, and then the following season they brought in Nagelsmann as he as he moved yeah, upstairs. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of what was expected. He'll do the same sort of thing. He'll come in, he'll coach, and when a, a replacement or the actual ideal target is lined up. Yeah. He'll step back to sporting director. And if you want to hear more about uh, Red Bull's success in the sporting arena, you should check out our first pods. Yeah, first ever pod. First ever pods. Yeah, Ragnick's mentioned often. Yeah. So are we like to see AC Milan as successful as before? Yeah, under Berlusconi, AC Milan are one of the most fair clubs in the world and now they are 26 points off the pace. Mm. Um, in Ralph Ragnick, they have someone who has a solid reputation and with the strong young stars I mentioned, they can definitely get better and potentially be as good as they were before. But it's more of a case of how long are the board prepared to wait? Yeah. Um, AC Milan's constant managerial changes and boardroom unrest have had a real negative impact on the side. And the stability that their rivals have shown, like Juventus, um, kind of highlights how important that actually is. There are also many sides throughout history that simply don't reform, uh, don't return Sorry, to their former heights. Yeah like the Everton side of the late 80s, and with the Juventus so strong. And Arsenal. Yes, uh, and Everton yeah. side of the late 80s, <laughs> and with the Juventus so strong, um, into threatening under Conte, and they just bought um, uh, Hakimi from, from yeah, Real Madrid. Big sign, uh, with Simone Inzaghi doing very well at Lazio, mm-hmm. and they're threatening with Roma and Atlanta, the surprise packages. Yeah. Are we looking at AC Milan's permanent place in Italian football for the foreseeable future? Mm, interesting. So while, while Juve is still a team to catch, Inter's rise is actually arguably more of an issue for the Rosneri. Mm. Um, they bought well over the last couple of years, not necessarily young players, but players like Sanchez came in on, I believe, still on loan, mm. but likely to be made permanent um, or maybe an obligation to buy. Lukaku... Um, was brought in, Ericsson brought in um, some, some good signings. Um, so while not young players, they've, abs- they've very much overnight seemed to have um, boosted their squad. Milan's immediate aim um, probably needs to be returned to Champions League football rather than immediately targeting, say, Juve, 
to dethrone them at this moment in time. Um, as you've mentioned, Atalanta have risen in recent years. Napoli have kind of came forward, even though under Catuso, even though they're now sitting on sixth or fifth in the league or mm. finishing that position. Uh, Roma have glowed quite a lot. They were in the semi-finals not long ago. Um, so it's about kind of replacing one of these three rather than actually attacking the top at this moment in time. Because we, we could actually be able to see an Inter-Juve Dulopoli at the top for yeah. a bit if, if, if Inter continued to rise, um, which is interesting. But what I think is also an interesting fact is, or interesting kind of period will be the post-Ronaldo world for Juve. So they've got Ronaldo in. He's, no, he's showing absolutely no signs of slowing down. But he's obviously a big part of their wage structure. He's also a big part of the side. And while their team is still strong, you'd say that the quality has actually probably slightly declined since those Champions League final appearances. I think it was two seasons in a row where they had the likes of Vidal, Marquisio, Pjanic, who's now just left, um, and Mandzukic, who were instrumental in those sides. You'd say actually overall, they brought in Ramsey, which is a good addition. But with, say, Buffon and Chiellini um, not getting any younger and leaving the team now in the future, the, the actual overall quality of the side is declining. So actually, are we going to see... Um, Juve getting defro- dethroned in the next say five years is this the time for AC Milan to actually to invest and to build their team ready for that post Ronaldo era yeah I think it's tough when you consistently spend money and it doesn't necessarily work out for you mm. the lack of Champions League money for them has been an issue they haven't been in the Champions League since 2013-2014 season the issues with FFP and the overspending under the owner previous owner Lee has really hampered them. There were rumours they were had to sell Donnarumma to balance the books. Yeah, they've still spent significant amounts of money on um, uh, Lucas Paqueta. Yeah, since then, but you get the feeling where can they risk that big gamble again? I the the arrival of Ragnik is seen as a way for them to kind of build for the future, and yeah. the young stars I mentioned they do have, uh, even Daniel Maldini, uh, pa- Paolo Maldini's son, you, you know they can potentially grow and challenge. It's whether they're willing to risk it enough to bank on, you know, Juventus or Inter Milan potentially faltering so they can propel themselves. Yeah. But I think the bigger issue is the landscape has changed. I think from Syria decades ago, they had the seven sisters in the 90s, mm-hmm. which were seen as the seven large teams, yeah. which AC Milan were dominant through. I think towards the end of their success in the 2010-2011 time, it was really them, Juventus and Inter, that kind of broke away as the main three. Yeah. Now the field is a lot more crowded. You've got to get past Roma as well. You've got to get past Napoli. Uh, and the goalposts have moved in terms of the amount of money it now takes. We've seen exactly. that in the Premier League. No longer does mm. a, a billionaire, such as Mike Ashley or someone, come in to mm. a club, a multi-millionaire, and suddenly just injects money and you get an instant success in two, three seasons. You're actually now seeing states take over clubs. Yeah. You're seeing, obviously, obviously with PSG and with uh, Man City, that's the level of capital you now need to actually yep. be on the world stage. Yep. And AC Milan will always struggle with having that name behind them when they go in for these sorts of players. Uh, absolutely. It's the same with Arsenal. Like, yeah. Jokes aside, it's the same with Arsenal. Like I think Wenger, Wenger said that, say, Mares, they couldn't sign him for four million because yeah. as soon as Arsenal come in, you're, you're, almost, you're putting that player on a pedestal and exactly. saying that he's worth... He's, well, if, he, if, he's, if he's good enough to play for Arsenal, that means he's a £20 million player, yep. at least. So it's a similar sort of vibe with AC Milan. So you're trying to build on that name. So someone like Leipzig, for example, it, to an extent, while it might not attract the same level of talent, you know, some players do actually want to play for Milan because they were, were great in the past. Say Leipzig, for example, when they grew up, or they, they when they kind of glowed up, 
they don't they don't have that kind of pressure or no. don't have that kind of that need to spend X amount just to just bring players in or that kind of requirement. So yeah, it's interesting. Personally I think AC Milan can return to the summit as their brand and history will be too big to turn down for prospective players if they can show ambition, which they're beginning to show. The signing of Lucas Paqueta is one and the, the young core I've mentioned countless times now. But patience is required at board level and managerial level, mm-hmm. as well as learning the mistakes they've made on previous failed big money signings yeah. uh, like Piatek, etc. And that will help them go a long, long way to being successful again. But when that will be, who knows? Mm, absolutely. And Piatek, if you're listening... Um, You've joined Borussia Dortmund on my football manager and you've scored a lot of goals. Well done. So that's all from us this week. Thank you to Etches for doing the research. No problem. And thank you all for tuning in to this week's Why Football podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore. And please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud for immediate access to future episodes. Cheers, guys. Cheers.